Greetings, art world. This is Kofi Fosu Forsen in conversation with artist, curator, Gaina Sweeney. How are you, Gaina? Hello, Kofi. Thank you very much for organizing this. It's a pleasure, Gaina. Gaina, our introduction goes back to the Icoat Gallery where during the conversation between the Eichold Gallery owner, Lisa Eichold, and the Eichold Gallery artist, Michael Ricardo Andrea, we were introduced. What was the initial connection that you had with the Eichold Gallery? What was the conversation about? Um, it was via yourself, because you were originally part of a collective um, of established names, New York artists, um, and you yourself, you know, and, and you played quite an active role in organizing a an international cultural exchange. And that was between Liverpool and New York. And there were approximately 10 artists either side, you know, it's, um, and you and I in particular, we worked as well collectively on independent projects that became part of the bigger exhibition itself. And it was a, an international show, okay? Because it wasn't just Liverpool and New York, the audience that came into it was international. Liverpool Biennial is renowned for being a, a huge cultural event. What was the process like for you? The red tape, the concerns or complications because initially the New York artists had a problem getting into the biennial um what what problems did you have partaking in the Liverpool biennial um well we accepted it under what was called the independent section and on under that comes there's there's different strands to the you know the biennial itself and every year there's always some controversy, you know, around petty politics, basically. That is not to do with the artists. That's more to do with the institutional side itself. And um, Ken Martin of the View 2 Gallery was the one who kindly provided us, you know, with a space as well. And we also had another location, which was... Um, in buildings that were, you know, formerly warehouse buildings that were turned into immense, large exhibition spaces. And we had an exhibition space there along with the view too, as well. Who were some of the British artists involved? The New York artists included Michael Ricardo Andreev, Stefan Folks, Irma Canava. Who were some of the British artists that were involved? Um, some of the British artists were Agatha uh, Alkanaz, um, Brendan Byrne, Joe Derbyshire, I'm trying to remember all these now, uh, George Lund, obviously George Lund, a wonderful man, um, Charles Nuttall, um, Tony Knox, Catherine Shea, Gary Solis, and myself. Yes, it was a very wonderful experience getting to be a part of it and uh, seeing it through. Mm -hmm. uh, Gaina, you got your master's in visual arts at the John Morris University. 
and a BA in art um, history. Tell me about your experience in college. What ideas were you form formulating at this time? What art theories were you interested in? What movements in art history were you interested in at this time? When I went, I originally started in fine art and I did an art history degree as well. But in terms of the practice degree, I was, I started actually as a portrait painter, but, you know, and the lecturers wanted me to um, stretch my wings a bit more and to look at more alternative media, because as said, I was more fine art trained to do portraits and, you know, things like that. So I experimented with different media and I ended up in digital media, exploring that avenue. I also moved down um, the avenue of science in cross-disciplinary. And it, it ended up as a manifold, you know, of things that, you know, I explored and ended up with doing performative as well, which is another thing. So that, that ended up as a central aspect to my practice, you know. And obviously, when doing cross-disciplinary work, um, I ended up going into stem cell research, genetics, and a lot of other stuff, <laughs> and meeting um, a lot of professionals from other fields, you know, like biochemists, scientists, and that, you know, who were very gracious, you know, enable me in my research, as well as optical engineering. Can't forget that one. Can't forget that, because the professor, Professor David Tipper, who helped me, he loaned me all his laser equipment <laughs> because I couldn't afford it. But he allowed me to use it to do with the program that I had done, which was derived from a performance in Paris about a year before. So, and that became part of a huge installation. So that's yeah. just par example, sorry. Yeah, this was such an important time uh, to me personally, uh, being in touch with you in the early 2000s. A lot was filtering onto the internet. So what was the art scene like in Liverpool during the early 2000s, the um, promotions of art, the art practice that you engaged in and things of that nature? Talk to me about Liverpool in the early 2000s. In the early 2000s, I was still a student, a mature student. And I was I got commissioned before I had even graduated and it, that was by the biennial itself on the independent strand and around that juncture point Liverpool itself was a hive of activity and myself included and we ended up doing a lot of research and a lot of travel and um, moving on in the early 2000s as well I ended up traveling a lot and you know going to New York as well and doing a lot of shows like in um, Cleveland performance art um, and that's in the United States. Um, I also did the Berlin Kunstsalon, you know, as time went on. Um, I had work in the Venice Biennale in a group, in like a group show under a curator who was, you know, doing that. Um, Japan did several galleries in London, you know, it, it's, Basically, I in the early 2000s, I was very, very, very active. 
but I was also not just active as a practitioner in live art and digital media and getting contracted. I also worked as a lecturer as well once I'd graduated. But during this transition, I also had dialogue with yourself as well as time evolved. And um, that dialogue was very, very informative as well and helped shape my work. You know, you know, you speaking as a man from your perspective, you know, originally come from Ghana. So that put a, a very interesting and insightful twist on things because I, I did not just look at gender politics to do with my perspective as a female. You know, it was a case of as well, considering everything across the board, the broad scope, so that also informed and shaped my work, you know, in a lot of ways. The umbrella for a lot of what you just talked about was Trans Voyeur, yes. your cultural initiative. How did you come about the name Trans Voyeur and what was the intent behind Trans Voyeur? Well, the name um, was to do with Trans Transatlantic and Voyeur. What do artists do? We look, we're people watchers, we watch life. We are the ones who are, through visual dialogue, uh, making the, you know, history in motion. You know, by our work, we are annotating history by what we see, what we experience. So our work, when it's produced in time in places like a punctuation mark, and as time passes, it becomes like an archival to history. Yes, it's, it's really um, something that brings, my, brings to mind the Gender Space Art and Architecture Project, which was a project that included myself and Daiva Gorite. Yeah. And um, I, was, I was fascinated to know so much about Liverpool. What, what was your um, understanding of the cultural differences between New York and Liverpool and the dialogue that Daiva and I were having? I think a lot of it, Liverpool is multicultural. You know, like New York is. And Diva herself was, you know, originally, you know, from another country, Lithuania, if I remember correctly. And basically, her experiences being in a foreign city, comparative to yourself by your heritage and your roots being in New York. And what I learned, because yourself and Diva, came with eyes of objectivity, you know, because you are an outsider in some ways looking in. The actual project, which was gender, space, art and architecture, I really thoroughly enjoyed that project because even though I curatorial set the outline of, you know, the, the model of what it was to be, the, the feedback and the research from Diver and yourself was amazing. It was absolutely wonderful because you brought a new energy to what, you know, where other people can't see the wood for the trees, you know, because a lot of other people, if you come from a place, you take it for granted. So it brought fresh perspective to the whole thing. Yes, I learned a lot about Daiva and it was fascinating to have the balance between what was happening in Liverpool and here in New York. I think about your live art intervention work. Talk to me about the origin of live art in general and your experience with live art intervention, intervention, the places you've done live art, 
the danger of live art, whether the cops <laughs> get involved or whether the general public intersect on what you're doing. Live art. Talk to me about live art. Well, the history of live art, you know, it's quite extensive and it comes in from, you know, different avenues. We have the Dardarist movement who did a form of live art as a protest against, you know, the war movements. And then you move further on where you have other art forms in the 1960s and that type of thing, where there was this resurgence of, you know, such assumptions to use the body, you know, as an art form itself. Um, Andy Warhol is synonymous with it, you know, using his cameras as a sideline to, you know, the print screens that he did. Yoko Ono is another one, and then moving along in the histories of live art itself, you've got those like Orlan, you know, who use her own body. Um, and then you, you've got another one who is Robert Pasiti. So he, he's quite an exceptional man. He's very intelligent, and he works as a director, but it's his approach Although on the surface it might look theatrical because he incorporates certain aspects of that, but it's very much live art because in the context it evolves to the moment and it, it, it's there's a lot of audience interaction as well, you know, and that type of thing. And it, it's fundamentally to the same principles how I work. Now, it's very rare and usually only for a health and safety reason if I will do a rehearsal. If it's something that does not necessitate it um, or low key, then, you know, I won't run, you know, any health and safety. A lot of people don't realize this about the arts. There was one performance, um, <clears throat> excuse me, there was one performance where someone had to hold my neck up. So, and, and I had to be literally on the tips of my toes and we had to run a health and safety and do, you know, like practice run after practice run, because if it went wrong, my neck could have, <laughs> you know, thing, you know, anyway. Uh, and live art interventions, um, now they have varied. I did one at the Louvre and that one was mm, <laughs> as, as extreme as you can possibly make it. And, um, I literally disrobed with Je suis art written across my body and I didn't get permission. So it was literally about, the, you know, the, inter the, the, the literal intervention into the institutionalized historical buildings, you know, which are the embodiments of, you know, the canons of art. And the painting that I used was uh, the Mona Lisa. The Mona Lisa and that one was done about 2001 and as I said I hadn't even graduated another one I did was actually in New York at the MoMA at Le Damoiselle Damion and on that one I did prepare where I painted my body from here to here as a corpse I uh, pretty 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 <laughs> and but I had on, you, you couldn't see this pot, so to speak, you know, like the ladies' bits, but, and because that was cloaked, you know, like in black. And I had my face covered, you know, with a cover coming down. And that one, um, I did actually get in trouble for, you know, at the moment, because like I said, I, I, I didn't ask permission. I didn't cause any harm, you know, to any artwork or anything like that. It was more to do with recontextualizing the female form, you know, 
in terms of the, you know, the iconic representation of how Pablo Picasso in Le Dame Rosas d'Avignon, you know, had perceived it like decades before. And and the, the the brutality as well of the lines of Le Damosel d'Avignon, that itself reminded me quite much of the conflict in the gender debate. And women themselves were being causing themselves problems as well, because the word equality means what you know it means. And a lot of them seem to be turning on their own kind, you know, instead of womanhood, you know, being supportive of each other. So, yes, it was looking at the female body and how the female body has, is perceived and how one era seems to be dying to do with femininity and feminism. And then you have this, you know, surgence of, you know, the, do they call it the third wave you know, feminist movement? And now it's just now decades later, it's become something else again. You know, it's now they're arguing with men who are transgender and want to be women and they're arguing with women. And there's lots of, you know, issues that come around that subject in itself. Yeah. One of the interventions you did was for um, my poem, Cushion Bell. Oh. Yes, yes. Christian Bell was a poem I wrote, and you took it further and did an intervention with it. Talk to me about Christian Bell. Uh, Le Christian Bell, the performance was actually done uh, several times. It was done in a gallery context. It was done in a um, studio context. And it was also done outside the Walker Art Gallery in Liverpool, which is a huge, huge institution. It, it's... It, it's, you know, it's very old. It's been there a long time. And because of it being such a significance to do with, a, you know, like our history itself, and, and they, they do hold, you know, quite significant, you know, immense fine art pieces in there, as well as some contemporary and that type of thing. But it, it is mainly the canons of art. And it was the perfect, perfect location to do the performance. And it that itself um, had a lot of people come up, particularly a group of young men <laughs> um, who got curious, but also, you know, like some older people who asked about the performance afterwards, you know, and that type of thing. And the performance consisted of um, Elizabeth Heritage and I, and we were dressed identical and we had on white shirts, black trousers, black ties, but our hair was up in a bun and we, full makeup as well, which was the other thing. So you've got this sharp contrast, you know, to the clothes that we're wearing. And we had done um, uh, some armbands as well, black armbands, because that, that itself was a comment to do with the life aspect of what Le Cushion Bell is about. You know, my, it's, I thought it was a beautiful poem and you you wrote it in English and then you translated it to French. And I spoke the French, Elizabeth spoke the English, but we spoke in the performance in live art intervention because we walked up the stairs, the steps, you know, because there's a lot of steps that mirror each, and we mirrored each other basically going up towards it. And our actions again were reflective and in symmetry. And we, 
stood and faced each other and we read the poem. She she spoke it in English and I spoke it in French at the same time as she's saying, you know, the word. And the next thing, we removed our ties very ritualistically, removed our shirts and folded it perfectly. And then we repeated the poem again. You know, so it's like saying, here is the female body. And, and we orated the poem. And then once we did that, we then put our shirts back on, our ties back on. And we repeated the poem a third time. We turned around to face the audience, by which point a huge audience had, you know, collected round outside the Walker Art Gallery. We were originally going to do it inside, but we thought the best thing to do would be to do it outside, you know, for greater impact because it's a huge entrance, you know, to the gallery itself. And and once we finished, we walked down the steps and that was it. And lots of people came up to speak to us and, you know, they asked us about the background of the performance. Uh, and I explained it, it was inspired and shaped by a poem done by a New York artist called Kofi Fosu Forsen. And I, I just thought it was a beautiful piece of work. You know, the written work itself, the the actual performance was a commentary to do with the female form as well and perception of it and the perception of women, you know, and women themselves and this transitionary thing to do with equality, which has always been quite a contentious subject post-World War II, but even then it has been. This transitions um, into my um, next topic of your nude body, Gaina. <laughs> <laughs> What 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 does that mean to you, your nude body? The idea of body politics through history, how do we get here from the nude figure in art to your interventions to where we are now with porn on the internet, the nude body? Talk to me about the nude body. Well, the subject of the, the nude body and pornography. So the naked form in a fine art context or a contemporary art, art context versus pornography. It comes down to the um, purpose and the function, you know, which is the dividing line. So where one is used to express a subject of, it could be a socio-political and cultural subject, that's in the art context. Porn is what porn is. <laughs> that's just for lascivious sexual gratification. Where art is concerned, when I have used my own body, um, I go brain dead. That's the only way to explain it. Because to me, I did get asked once by a man, um, when you are doing a performance, do you find it exhilarating, you know, like liberating, you know, sexually satisfying? And I went, no. No, I don't. I said, because what goes behind the performance has been, it could be weeks, it could be months worth of research, you know, that goes to structure the piece, you know, the final piece that gets developed. And even though a lot of uh, live art itself is spontaneous and audience interaction, you know, it's, it, it, there's a lot of reading and consultation and, you know, development to, that goes behind the final piece. A lot of people think you just go out there and go, oh, I'm going to do this. <laughs> it doesn't happen like that. 
doesn't happen like that. It actually does go through an evolution. I'm very thankful for our dialogue over the years, going back to the ICOT gallery and coming to work and getting on the telephone with you. I thank you also for your forward to the catalog, to the events that the late artist Diane Bowen and I put together. Yeah. Um, it's it's really an exciting thing to think back on our dialogue and how it led to my, my blog, Black Octo. Yes. Considering the views that we shared um, back then, considering that you got me onto Facebook for the first time, you were the person who invited me to get on Facebook. Yes. Where are we now with that level of interconnectivity, um, the idea of Deva Gorite and I communicating from between New York and Liverpool and how we got on social media to know about each other, to converse and dialogue intercontinentally. How yeah. has that changed over the years? Well, going back even before the project that I did with you and Diva and you know other other interactions before then I had organized and and that was the prelude to where it would lead to with yourself um, what was called live art performances that happened literally transmitted live and back then nobody had these very posh mobile phones so I'm going to mention that in a moment but we were one of the first now we were working with a Chinese a curator to do with that and it was called I Love 39 and for that project I presented a, a streamed live performances that George and I were part of and other artists and it went down very very well but we were one of the first ones you know as that transition was happening to do with the advancement of the technology to do with the internet and digital media and as it evolved along the timeline of it, um, I worked with yourself and, you know, explored that process to do with the exchange of dialogue. The actual system and the methods, obviously, with webcams, as we are now talking, but you, with technology, it's brought, it's brought more liberty. And what I've noticed is that what we did going back decades ago, with the very um, basics of digital technology it's in its inaugural stages is now all consolidated in one mobile phone, you know, and, and you get members of the public now, you know, doing like YouTube channels and an array of it. And a lot of them not even realizing where a lot of the origins came from, you know, like in the arts and how that was explored like decades before what we know now. And you were one of the artists. I was one of the artists in, in those inaugural stages. So it, it's quite a significant to do with the history of digital media as well and, and art as a process of expression. And that expression now has been imbued in, in the sociological, along with the advancements as, you know, the technology has gone smaller and you can do the same thing with a mobile phone. Now, when I did the first performances there were cameras set up all over the place wires everywhere and that type of thing and 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 all this you have to you know like deal with as well not just the you know the the art side uh, 
but the but the practical and the technical side. Whereas now it's all in a mobile phone. So go back two decades, it was not that. <laughs> yeah, the video, the video aspect of uh, all of this is very important. Um, your work is extensively relative to the idea of video and digital media. How did you form that language? How did you form that language, be it digital canvases or digital art in general? And how has the video format gotten involved in what you do overall? Well, with coming from a fine art background and originally being a painter and a sculptor, it is taking the same principles and treatments, you know, on how you would consider the visual media and the language that is being created. The, the difference is it incorporates a movement, obviously, an action and, you know, and that type of thing. It's I like digital media because I a lot of people will treat it more in like a, a linear composition or, you know, narrative. But I like to dissect it and actually explore, you know, like the sound works and also the visuals. So to try and take it to another angle and another level, you know, particularly where a lot of cross-disciplinary work comes forward, you know, and, and there's a lot of potential, a lot more potential than people realize. And I have been very fortunate to work with digital media artists as well. So that, you know, that's been another thing. This is really such an uh, exceptional time for me to be talking to you because we're now collaborating again. After all these years, we were, we've gotten back together to work on um, a, series of, a series of projects. Uh, share with us a bit about where we come from and where we are now with what we're working on right now. Yeah. So um, we're working towards the project, the Sentience Project. And that is with yourself, Kofi Fosu Forsen, myself, Gaynor Evelyn Sweeney, <laughs> and George Lund, um, Gothard, Lucia, and Joe Derbyshire. And each artist are producing artwork between now and December when the project will launch, uh, which is very unique. And it's all new work as well, which is coming forward from each artist. Joe is working on work that is textural based as well and looking at the sensory, you know, of, of the inner self to, you know, the outside world. George himself is doing a performance space and he wants to do an in, an intervention and, and, and look at the utopian ideals versus what is happening in this world now you know, of the so-called status quo. So, and and people's perceptions of it. And he's going to imbue that in role like a jester, you know, so to speak. Uh, Lucia, she is doing ink drawings, which are the symbolism, which is very much cognitive to do with the themes of sentience. You know the introspe the introspection that type of thing. Myself, I am going down the avenue of digital media, but I'm also looking at the biological aspect. You know, and how that works with you know, 
with the intrinsic side of what is the sentience to the extrinsic and the liminality, you know, between the body and, and, and the world itself, which is changing. So, and our place within it, basically. I'm and interested, I, yeah, I'm interested in knowing more about your pedagogy, your mentorship, the idea of, of the workshop, personally, how you're able to infiltrate and and manifest within the idea of the art community how you are you're able to bring different minds together how does that make you who you are overall this is basically entering the psychology of gayness to any but that's a heavy duty subject <laughs> but uh, the idea of pedagogy mentorship and and yes. the workshop when working with people it, it depends on context obviously if there's a distance obviously to do a geography like there is between yourself and i we have to rely on heavily this media and this process of you know the webcam and the zoom meetings or emails uh, other, other processes can be uh, where you find um, a common ground, you know, and that type of thing. Um, o o other aspects can be where there's a natural bond, you know, an inclination of subjects that are comparative. So, you know, you buzz off each other already. Uh, workshops, how they're constructed. It, again, it's groups of artists that come together, you know, and we, we, would inspire each other but we would also challenge each other in a good way not a bad way as well and we would encourage each other to push each other's boundaries you know and explore new themes and explore new media and possibilities so you know things are not isolated and that is the thing about the arts and particularly in collaboration it, it it's like a knowledge bank and that knowledge bank and that shared insight expands you know the you know the perception and perspective of possibilities and creativity i think a lot of what we started out talking about the processes it took to get through them and how we ended up here talking having this conversation it's all relative to where we are now in in our lives be it you and me and the art scene all together i think we've come full circle from our time at the iCode Gallery through the Facebook and where we are now collaborating again. I want to thank you so much, Gaina, for sharing this past 30 minutes with me, talking about your art process and where you are overall making been a art. pleasure. Thank been you so much. Thank you so much as well. You're a gentleman. Is that it?